welcome everyone. My name is Somerset Winters Thoreau. I almost forgot my name there for a second. I'm the host of the Space Fifth Books Pod Space Cast. <laughs> or maybe what is it's it? something else. The SBBS, which is unintentionally descriptive. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Accidentally. You're accurate. right. Space Biff Book Space. Is that right? Yes, you That's remember it every it. month. Okay. Woo. <laughs> Woo. I also have with me Dan Thoreau. No relation. We are married, though. True. Some people think that's related. Did you know that? Oh, but not like consanguinity and it's all that. It's weird. Anyway, we also have Brock, <laughs> who is with us always. And we have a guest, Cole Worley. Hi. Thank you for joining us. Hey. My pleasure. Today we're talking about a book called A Memory Called Empire by, I'm going to say it name, Arcady Martin. Indeed. And it was pretty fun. Read. Oh no! Don't was it? Don't give away your oh, adjective well, I don't know. yet. Yeah, don't no, give that's away. not that's not my adjective. That would be a lame one. Oh boy, I was worried. All right, first <laughs> thing we're first thing we're gonna do is uh, rate this book. So everyone, thumbs up or thumbs down. There's no middle road, and then you also need an adjective. I'll go first. Okay. Can you believe that? I never go first. Yeah, you volunteering is pretty. It means I, you I have strong feelings. Yes, <laughs> my rating. Is a thumbs down, <gasps> and my adjective in crypto bards. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> I didn't see that coming. Wow! <laughs> and we're married. Yeah, she got the close to the bed. I'm so excited. Is this part <laughs> of your bad take segment? <laughs> well, we're gonna find out. We'll get to there. <laughs> um, I I guess I'll go next. Okay, thanks, Dan. Um, I would do a poetic thumbs up. Ooh, nice. Ooh. Mm. I see we're going to clash on this poetry. Yeah. <laughs> Rock, what's your take here? Uh, I would say I gave it a numerical thumbs up. Numerical. <laughs> 19 thumbs up. Is that because of the names? <laughs> oh, boy. That sounds like a really bad name. <laughs> thumbs up yeah is that like that's like the dean in community right yeah oh my those aren't thumbs (laughs) (laughs) and cole what would your uh rating be uh i would give it boy i was almost going to pick your word dan and i'm i'm shook a little bit but i'm giving it Uh i'm giving it i'm giving it a nervous thumbs up (laughs) (laughs) nervous Perfect. All right. Thank you. All right. Well, let's move on to wrong spoilers. Brock, take it away. Okay. Uh, so for, for the uninitiated, uh, present company may be included. Wrong spoilers is where I, uh, well, I, I'm going to list some things that are not true about this book. And uh, some of them are strange and hopefully one or two of them make you laugh. Uh, so the first... The first wrong spoiler uh, is not, I mean, we play a little fast and loose with this category. It's just a joke. Uh, how many, oh, I didn't, I didn't practice. Taish Kalanwetzlim. Okay. How many Taish Kalanwetzlim does it take to solve a murder? A lot. Uh, no, just 23 detective. 
just two, three, and twelve. Oh, <laughs> very good. Uh, so that was you. You managed to dad joke in memory. Call <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Exactly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Along the same lines, how many shoulders does it take to shrug? And the answer in this book is literally always only one shoulder. <laughs> did you know, did you guys notice that? Yeah, no. I did not. Were, I counted. Right, least, they always shrug one shoulder. At least right. six times, somebody shrugged one shoulder, but not the name. Let's let's try that, Dan. Yeah, that's kind of weird. That's it's not working for me. It's like a. It's like a dance move. It you could say that that's like the companionable silence in the Expanse books, right? Or yeah. the or the the braid tugging in the Wheel of Time. It's oh, like yeah. another page. I've never read Wheel of Time, but I have heard. I've heard there's, tell of the braid tugging. There's or, braid um, tugging. The, the, uh, <laughs> yeah, the one mean? character is always tugging her braid, and uh, unfortunately, though I love uh, N.K. Jemisin's The Fifth Season, her characters are always sucking their teeth constantly. I don't think I've ever sucked my teeth. I'm going to try it right now. Oh, it's a it's a feast for the ears. I sometimes do it when my um when I got something stuck in my teeth. Well, yeah, but then you have a reason. That's not just like an expression. Yeah. Uh, Yes, Summer just shrugged one shoulder. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But not the name one shoulder, right? Not the person who's... No, that'd be rude. Oh, is that someone's name? No. (laughs) It could be. It might as well be. Uh, Here's a lie about this book. It didn't make me think about how weird it is to smile with your teeth, and it doesn't feel unnatural to me even now. That's true. Every time I read that in the book, I was like, are they grimacing? No, it says smiling. But that's the picture that would be in my head like this. I thought they were aliens, because it was like... (laughs) Their face gets wider. <laughs> yeah. Their jaws unclick. Yeah. Uh, an early okay. Here's a here's a wrong spoiler for you. An early draft had reversed the concept of numbers as names, and instead it was using names as numbers. Okay. Uh, so from <laughs> from bear with me. Uh, from the heading of chapter fifteen, a satellite communication. To Imperial flagship Stephanie Sunsets Illuminated, please contact CT Approach on frequency Greg Susan Tammy Point Fernando. Let him finish. <laughs> well, that was it. <laughs> oh, dang it. <laughs> oh, but it, it made me think about, because that was from that chapter, but it was like frequency 184.9, right? But every one of those is also a name. Very, yeah. very strange. That's funny. Or, that was it. Those know, are my wrong spoilers. Something. Okay, good, good job, Thank Brock. You. Thank you. All right, Dan, we're on to this the synopsiposa. Okay. What's this one called? Um, this is called a mimopsis called emperopsis. <laughs> <laughs> so, for those who maybe have read the book before, uh, like Cole, uh, who Cole actually tweeted this book and is the reason that I selected it. Um, so if maybe you haven't read it in a while, I'm going to give a very accurate synopsis. <laughs> um, a note for note. Yes. <clears throat> uh, 
Mahit Dijmer descends toward the city, the capital of Taish Kalan. As a stationer from Lajel Station, this is her first time on a planet, and she cannot believe how big and beautiful it is. Its beauty calls to mind a poem. She recites it aloud, as one does on Taish Kalan. Big, beautiful planet. So, so, so big. It is really big, this planet. Just so big. <laughs> Inside her years to come up with that poem, too. (laughs) Inside her head. Yes. Inside her head, her imago buzzes. Ah, the third recital of 52 Plonkus. (laughs) (laughs) The image of the city is meant to evoke that exact stanza, you know. (laughs) Mahit sighs. Her imago carries the memories of Iskander, the previous diplomat to Taish Kalan. Although his memories are a decade out of date, and although she has barely had any time to come to terms with her conjoining with his persona, she already thinks of him as an old friend, an old annoying friend who routinely comments on her poetry. (laughs) She's all, that may be you, Skander, but we're only here because you died, or perhaps were murdered given your radical opinions and to sleep with anyone who consents. (laughs) (laughs) Iskander's all, why are you saying these things? We've had two months to debrief one another. Are you, are you speaking to an imaginary audience? <laughs> <laughs> Mahid is all, oh, look, the shuttle is landing. There's our cultural liaison. <laughs> as a diplomat, as a diplomat from Lachelle Station, Mahit's cultural liaison is three seagrass, who she notes foreshadowingly is a total hottie. <laughs> Iskander is all, put away your lady boner. <laughs> Mahit is all, put away your lady boner. <laughs> three seagrass is all, ambassador, I am three seagrass, patrician second class. It is my honor to welcome you to the jewel of the world. I will be serving as your... Wait, did you say something about lady boners? <laughs> Mahit clenches her fists. Lachelle Station's imago machines and their ability to transmit memories between generations are an important state secret. She's all, no, no, lead on. Three Seagrass cal- calls a ground car for them, a futuristic vehicle that's like a sky car, except, unexpectedly, it only moves on the ground. <laughs> As they pass from the starport into the enormous palace, itself many times larger than Lachelle Station, she recites a 17,000-line poem about architecture. Observe the plinths and their columns, so mighty and phallic. Entirely (laughs) unlike barbarian reed huts, bent like italics. (laughs) (laughs) What can I say? Martine is a poet. (laughs) Mahit finds herself lost in thought, wondering about the many mysteries of her upcoming duties. Three Seagrass notices that she has drifted off and asks, Do you want to see the body of your predecessor? In her head, Yaskander's all, I'd really rather not. (laughs) Because she likes the idea of perturbing Iskander, Mahit is all, yes, please. The ground card diverts them along the ground to the morgue. At the morgue, Mahit meets Seagrass's pal, 12 Ashalia, who happens to be a morgue person. He points to the body, which is totally nude, but remarkably well-preserved. He's all, you can touch it. <laughs> it's totally natural. Bodies do that when injected with lots of preservatives. Don't worry, it won't bite. 
In her head, Yashkander is panicking. Who, boy, this is gross. I can't handle this. Mahit blurts out, we eat the ashes as a custom on the station, you know, because we recycle everything. Body sweat, yes, poop too, everything. <laughs> Bodies, eat them, they're great. She realizes three seagrass and twelve ashalia are staring at her. I mean, uh, what was my predecessor's cause of death? Twelve ashalia is all, probably murder. Oh, uh, how so? Allergic reaction, probably a flower. Everything on Taishkalan is about flowers. Or the sun. Oh, there's also something in his brainstem. <laughs> a trill of fear taps a tattoo across Mahit's spine. His brainstem. In the back of her mind, she realizes that Iskander has gone silent, and a wave of nausea crashes over her like a wall of flower petals compacted into a very solid wall more like bricks. <laughs> he seems to have disappeared. Twelve Ashalia rolls his eyes. Do they not teach anatomy among the barbarians? Yes, his brainstem. <laughs> There's something in it. At that very moment, someone else sweeps into the room. A radiant woman who is plainly too high class to visit morgues, even if that's what she's into. <laughs> the, <na> the morgues <laughs> should be brought to her. <laughs> Three Seagrass stands up straight, introducing Mahit Dirjmer. Dirjmer, ambassador from LaSalle Station, and this is Her Excellency, the Eshua Shua Cat 19 Adshi, whose gracious presence illuminates the room like the edge shine of a knife when placed under fl a fluorescent beam of concentrated light only produced by the finest fluorescent smiths. <laughs> 19 Adshi is effortlessly elegant. She peers up at Mahit, although she's only peering as though she's peering down, although her gravity-squished body makes her shorter than Mahit. I am sorry about your predecessor, Ambassador. Mahit feels something, an emotion from the now-dormant Iskander. Is it a clue, a memory, or just the old bag's legendary horniness? <laughs> she's all, thank you. May I call upon you when the plot requires? <laughs> Of course, Mahit Dershmer. She touches the corpse fondly. I liked him, you know. I hear you're going to burn and consume him. I'd like to take part. That sounds positively exotic. Is this how you imagined her speaking in your head? Yeah. That voice? Yeah. Weird. Yeah. How did you imagine her? Like hot. Oh, that is hot. <laughs> like a, like oh, a ghost or something. Oh like a sea ghost. You are still mysterious. Yeah. <laughs> Three seagrass cuts in. It's time to leave, Ambassador. They leave the morgue and head to Mahit's ambassadorial estate. As soon as they arrive, she retires to bed, as one does in Paish Kalan. <laughs> the next morning, she awakens to find three seagrass already at work using her Google glasses to catch up on diplomatic tasks. In the background, the city's news feed informs us of the book's political backdrop. This is Volpe's News, the only source of real news that you can trust, as espoused by the government and ruling class. <laughs> this week, wicked dictator One Lightning has filed his intention with the Bureau of Betrayal to acquire a personal fleet of killships and five million unexpectedly loyal soldier drones whose awareness of their oath to the Taish Kalanli constitution seems incredibly spotty. When pressed for comment, the emperor noted, yeah, whatever, I am probably senile. Back to you, 15 Angela. <laughs> Mahit switches off the news. Iskander still hasn't reappeared in her head. 
Without his help, she'll have to do some digging of her own. She's all, hey, three seagrass, instead of doing all this boring work you're getting paid handsomely to do, would you like to do some amateur detective work instead? Three seagrass tosses an diplomatic, <laughs> diplomatic info stick into a pile. Sure, what are we going to do? I'd like to meet with the last person my predecessor talked to. Three Seagrass thinks for a moment. Well, he last talked to 112 Teen Randall, the gardener. <laughs> but I can't imagine 112 Teen Randall holding any sort of grudge against Iskander. Mahit is all, no, something more political. Well, in that case, 100 Engine is your man. He's a shifty character, deeply involved in arming independent stations so they can't be annexed by aggressive empires. She pauses. But I have no idea why Iskander would meet with him. Can you think of any reason why a stationer from an independent station would want to meet with such an unsavory character? <laughs> Mahid is all, yeah, let's go talk to that guy. <laughs> <laughs> they take a subway to Plaza Central 9 to meet with 100 Engine. She sits down at a restaurant and pretends to peruse the menu, as one does in Taish Kalan. Eventually, 100 Engine shows up. He meals around the entrance to the restaurant for a while, then goes to the bathroom, and only then approaches her, and only by sidling up to her sideways and speaking out of the side of his mouth like he's speaking to someone else. <laughs> Iskander, are you in there? <laughs> Mahid is shocked. My predecessor told you about our Imago technology? Hundred Engine is shocked. What? You aren't... Wah! He explodes. Wow. <laughs> when Mahit wakes up, the restaurant is a wreck. Citizens are running and screaming in every direction, and the city is deploying force field walls to kettle the protesters. Man, this is really... I'm feeling really uncomfortable with the... Uh... <laughs> it's a tiny book. <laughs> yeah, it is. I, I... <laughs> <laughs> the sunlit, the city's police show up and start beating people at random. Oh my gosh. Three seagrass pulls her up. She's all, this way, Ambassador, as a patrician, I can pass through electric force walls. She touches the wall and it electrocutes her. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. The sunlit approach. Ambassador Dershmere. You will come with us to stay with Wicked Dictator One Lightning, he whose epithet betrays nothing of his intended betrayals. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of going along with the police, Mahid is all, Lawyer! I mean, I invoke sanctuary with 19 Adshi, whose gracious present illuminates the room with, like, a spear. Um, the sunlit is all, You can't claim sanctuary unless you know your patron's name. <laughs> uh, she who um, plunges the spork into the wall socket of the corners of the uh, negligent dark and looms the lowest places and bowels of the subways with like um, incandescent. The sunlit get bored. Fine, you can stay with the Ashua Shua cat, but I'm telling you, Wicked Dictator One Lightning is an absolute peach. Just watch Volpe's News, they'll tell you. <laughs> Later at 19 Adshi's place, the Ashua Shuakot is all, Coming here is the first smart thing you've done since you arrived, oh Ambassador. <laughs> well, part of the problem is I can't do that many girl voices. There are like 15 girls in this story. Yeah, there's lots of women. I'm oh, running out. so hard. Okay, well, there's like two dudes. Okay, Mahit bristles and flicks a piece of gristle from her shoulder, as one does in Taish Kalan. And then shrugs it. And then she shrugs. <laughs> I didn't come here to be insulted. No insult meant, my dear. Come, you may shower and watch our state-sponsored news program while you consider your next moves. 
after her shower, which is described in luxurious detail for 15 pages. (laughs) (laughs) Mahit flips on the news. This is Volpe's News, bringing you your daily reminder that the word Taish Kalan means civilized. Remember to throw rocks at immigrants. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Next to me, Anne Leckie is all, hey, that was my idea. The civilized <laughs> thing, not the rocks. <laughs> <laughs> Serendipitously, the next day is the Imperial Ball. 19 Adshi escorts Mahit to the inner palace. Mahit roams around for a while, meeting a bunch of people for the first time. I pretend to remember them all. There's five Grumpus, the Emperor's 90% clone, 30 Bonespur, who is the most recent issue of Shuikot, and he pr- proudly pr- mentions that he helps the news be true. Then his mouth twists into a sour comport, and he hisses, The deal is off! <laughs> she also meets Six Direction, the Emperor himself. As she ascends his throne, he grips her wrists and stares into her eyes. We should talk later, he says, <laughs> then dismisses her. Later, the Imperial Oration begins. The winner of the oratorio is 69 niceties, who Mahit is informed is a bit of a scoundrel. He clears his voice and raises sonorous tones to the vaulted ceiling. Oh, flowers and petals and pistols and stamen, the sun itself curls in the palm of the layman. Through the rumpled cassock of a tainted wine purse, share the resounding half-creased feet five meter verse. (laughs) The crowd murmurs. Everyone has gone tense, especially wick- Wicked Dictator One Lightning and True News Minister 30 Bonespur. <laughs> this is very political, 19 ad, she says. I look up at Arcady Martine and go, huh? She shrugs and goes, I don't know either, actually. <laughs> A few pages later, they leave the royal ball, as one does in Taish Kalan. The next day, Mahit wakes up to discover that Three Seagrass has recovered from her electrocution. She is so happy that she picks up a flower from a delivery carton and it makes her hand swell up and transform into a million blisters. Nineteen ad she appears in the doorway, almost as though she had been watching. She's all, don't smell the flower. Oh, sorry. Don't smell the flower. (laughs) Mahit glances down at her blistering, oozing, toxic hand and goes, yeah, I figured that out. While, non, while 19 Adshi mends Mahit's hand, she's all, You know, you might not be very good at all this intrigue stuff. The Emperor has requested your presence. After that, I will unaccountably cut you off from my household. Mahit is all, Yeah, okay, it was getting boring here anyway. You only had one channel. And I don't know if you know this, but Volpe's news is like totally wrong about everything all the time. It's really quite amazing how wrong they are, <laughs> almost as if it's deliberate. <laughs> Later, she visits the Emperor while three seagrass hangs around outside. The Emperor lives in that Darth Vader sponge bath shell from The Empire Strikes Back. (laughs) (laughs) He natters on for a while. Apparently, Iskander struck a deal with the Emperor's Sixth Direction, an Imigo machine to preserve his memories in his clone, Five Grumpus, in exchange for LaShell Station keeping its independence. The Emperor is all, I'm afraid that deal may no longer function. One lightning has decided to take our fleet of kill ships to conquer some stuff. As the most powerful man in the universe, I cannot stop him <laughs> from choosing as the destination of his holy crusade, your tiny inconsequential station. The people will cheer his magnificent victory. 
mojitas all your excellently whose excrement smells of tulips in spring my station has literally thirty thousand occupants that's like incorporating a neighborhood not conquering an unfriendly nation the emperor shrugs with one shoulder if only i could do something as Mahit leaves, a servant waddles up with a note that informs Mahit that she has been cut loose from 19 Achi's household. She's totally shocked. She, she and three seagrass head back to the ambassadorial estate where they're attacked by a ninja. <laughs> she, she and three seagrass defeat the ninja and run away. Three seagrass is all, look, this job is great, but I need some explanations. Mahit is all, I don't know what's going on. And neither does the guy reading this story. <laughs> no, I don't accept that. You're going to info dump right this instant. <laughs> Mahid explains it all. The Imago machines, the plots to take her life, the improbable naming system of Taish Kalan. Three seagrass nods along. Okay, I have an idea. I'll have my friend 12 Azalea bring the Imago machine from Iskander's corpse at once. Mahit is all, wait, the Ashua Shua cock can bring us the Imago machine? Three Seagrass is all, no, 12 Azalea, the coroner. The Ashua Shua is 19 Adshi. I'm all, oh. <laughs> <laughs> now it makes sense. I've been wondering why the coroner owned a palace. <laughs> Unlike me, Mahit still has a mystery to solve. Three Seagrass contacts 12 Ashalia, who brings the Imigo machine after comically follow, falling into a sprinkler. Uh, they mention it like four times. Right. <laughs> While the old friends bicker, they head out of the palace and into the suburbs, where people are suspicious of the government for some reason. There they meet an Imperium tech priest who claims he can install the Imigo machine in Mahit's brainstem. She's all, just like that? The tech priest is all, yeah, Dan is recording the episode in like 12 minutes, so he doesn't have enough time to look up all the details of this section. <laughs> the doctor was also a woman. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So the tech priest is all, yeah, Dan is recording the episode in like 12 minutes, so he doesn't have time to look up all the details of this section. When Mahit wakes up, she now has two Iskanders in her head. They explain everything. There are aliens who will invade station or space soon, and she needs to tell the Emperor that the Empire is going to face a real threat very soon, a threat worthy of an Empire. She and the others race back to the city. Unfortunately, Wicked Dictator One Lightning has begun his attack on the city, and the people are protesting. I like how you accidentally sometimes say his name is Wick Dictator instead of Wicked. Wicked Dictator. Yeah. They are arrested by 30 Bone Spurs police and placed in the news ministry, where Volpe's News plays over every loudspeaker. This is Volpe's News, the one source for truth, and don't fact check any single thing we say. <laughs> Today, liberators have appeared in the city to free it from the shackles of another other coup person don't worry those priests were happy to be tear gassed out of their own church they were grateful don't question wicked dictator oh my gosh i think you're getting really political <laughs> that was in the book <laughs> those priests were being violent <laughs> this was volpe's news wow i hope someone understands the latin here yeah <laughs> Wait, what is Volpe's? I think, I think it's more likely people are going to understand the Pokemon connection. 
Oh no! <laughs> but it's, the same, but the, the, it's a different it's a different route to the same place. Anyway, <clears throat> Mahit turns to the others. If we don't get out of here, my station is forfeit. What can we do? In her head, Iskander has an idea: poetry, as one does in Taishkalan. <laughs> Together with three seagrass and twelve ashalia, she composes a poem that will draw the attention of nineteen adshi. Dappled droplets upon thighs, baby in the bathwater, those rumpled buttocks, the edge shine of the knife. Please save us, nineteen adshi. I think that was the exact poem in the yeah. book. Yeah, I think so. Out in the streets, this poem incites feelings among the protesters who began to chat, dappled droplets, rumpled buttocks, dappled droplets, rumpled buttocks. (laughs) (laughs) Against all odds, the message has its intended effect and 19 Adshi's security forces show up. They get into a row with the 30 Bonespurs news agents and 12 Ashalia is killed. I'm all, 12 Ashalia is dead. Now what will they do? Three Seagrass is all, no, my friend 12 Ashalia is dead. My friend, the coroner 12 Ashalia, not the Ashua Shuakot 19 Adshi. I'm all, oh. <laughs> Later in the palace, 19 Adshi takes Mahit to meet the emperor. His all, well, guess I won't be immortal. Guess I'll stop the coup. He goes upstairs, daring wicked dictator one lightning to bombard and kill him. Then he stabs himself to death and pronounces 19 Adshi the new empress, which I guess just works. I guess so. Apparently it happened Uh, one time before. Suddenly I get it. There's space Aztecs. (laughs) (laughs) Finally, Mahit makes out with three seagrass, as one does in Taish Kalan. But rather than staying the ambassador, she returns to her station now that she's saved it. The end. <laughs> Yay! Hey, a very, th- a very thorough summary. Thank yeah, you sorry. That. I uh, this was a big book, and I forgot everything. Yeah. <laughs> As someone who maybe read it six months after, ago, I appreciate this. Maybe after okay. you finish reading it, that's when you should write this. I know. Instead of instead of forty like minutes before, before we record our podcast. Yeah. yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, kind of like how I look up the wrong the uh, the uh, what is it called. <clears throat> excuse me the bad takes like 10 minutes before we start to yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right so moving on to that thank thank you for that synopsis dan it was lovely thank you so much for really encouraging this the, behavior i really enjoyed the poetry <laughs> or not wait did you really like the poems i liked your poems nice in your synopsis yeah, did you like the big planet one yeah <laughs> i wanted to capture the the vistas yeah. The depth. I really felt the thickness from that poem. Good. <laughs> All right. So here's my bad takes. As I said, I, I didn't really have too much time to look at this because it's mommy time on Sundays. So as with my children. Anywho, um, quite a lot of the book, especially the first half, is filled with the protagonist's internal monologue. And how heavy is it? The character arrives at her no post, examines the corpse of her predecessor, answers some email, and then heads off to a lunch meeting. That's the first 25% of the book. You get a description of a place followed by two pages of internal discussion. Three lines of dialogue, then three pages of internal discussion. 
I kind of felt that was true, but at the same time, I'm like, so, you know, it's a, it's, so, it is so a where, first person. So where does this bad take come from? This is Amazon. This is from Amazon. Yeah. So what do we think about that? I mean, a book is. There is a lot of internal monologue, but sometimes, you know, when you're first person, that kind of needs I, to happen. I wanted there to be more internal monologue to, yeah. to explain to me what was going on. I, I don't know. I feel like there is this current because I, I, um, hadn't read science fiction for a long time and then recently started reading it again. And I mm. feel like there is, there is this current, this group of people that loves plot. They just love it. They, mm-hmm. And they, they want more of it. And I could see this book irritating the hell out of them in, <laughs> in ways that I find really delightful. I'm glad you're irritated by it. And I, I also get it. I, I, I get it. I, you know, so sometimes you need things to move on a little bit, but I, I, I'm also with, I think um, I could have used a little bit more Iskander Mahat fighting. I was sad. Yeah. I thought that was fun. Yeah. You know, I I thought it was kind of a bummer that he disappeared as early as, as he did. Mm -hmm. Me too. I don't know. Yeah. Go ahead. ahead. It was fun. And then he was, you know, and I was getting into it and then he disappeared before I even got the sense for like, what are the parameters of, of this technology, mm-hmm. you know, theoretically she's no longer her. She's kind of this dual person. And so when he disappeared, I mean, it was only a few, it was like 15 pages in or something. Yeah. One of my big complaints about this book is that I think it has a really brilliant conceit that it absolutely can't hold on to. It's like too hot of a rocket. You just have to like, they, like and, and the idea that you've got these two minds and the relationship to the, the central mystery is very, very compelling and extremely hard to sustain. And so it's, it's like, it almost has to got, be gotten rid of because otherwise the, the book will just stop making sense. Yeah. Yeah, Cause you'd think at some point she'd be like, so who murdered you? Right. Yeah. No, let's really get to it. <laughs> and then, and in her, and in her head, he's like, well, I don't want to spoil it. <laughs> well, no, but like it has, it has this problem. Let me think, let me think about it for 50 pages. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it, it has it, like the problem with it is that um, both Mahit and Iskander, the Imago Iskander are new to the planet. So like you have two, like they're, 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 they might have be, have different demeanors, but their position in relationship to everything that's going to happen is too close to the same. So it'd be a lot of like, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, I also didn't know that. I just got here. <laughs> and, so like, and so because of that, like it doesn't quite work. And, it, you know, so you have to kind of get rid of the redundancy. Otherwise, you'd have 100 pages of internal dialogue. Before. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It would be interesting uh, to have drawn that out a little longer, especially when someone like uh, who 19 ad she shows up and uh, he's like, Wow, she's hot. <laughs> well, apparently you slept with her and made like a bunch of deals. So I don't, I, not yet. <laughs> Looking forward to that. Uh, did, did you did yeah. you feel similarly, Brock? I, no, I, I mean, I I kind of am on board uh, with maybe I could have used a little more. Um, and I do think the scanner was taken away. Uh, and it was abrupt, and I, and I I get sort of the emotional impact of, uh, in some in some ways, this book does things similarly to what I like about uh, the Goblin Emperor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you know, 
this, you know, this person who is sort of new to, you know, a very complex political scene and has to uh, navigate their way with a very competent uh, um, advisor. Um, and uh, so I do, I do think the, the complication of, lo of losing Iskander was, was probably necessary for, for tension. Did we find the uh, terminology easier or harder than the Goblin Empire? Emperor? Oh boy. Hmm. What a question. I would say easier. <clears throat> yeah, I think easier. Easier, but just as annoying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I'm very excited to read this. There novel. you go. <laughs> yeah, sorry for excluding Cole. No, so no, no, it's, it's, it's fine. I'm, I'm happy to be excluded because it, I have a fascinating book I want to read now. Um... What was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So another Amazon review mentions how funny it was that the plot finally gets rolling and then they find out who murdered Ixander. And then it's like it doesn't matter and it doesn't really affect anyone because, like, everybody knew. <laughs> and and, uh, and I – and it so it's kind of like this whole book, you know, it opens up with, like, eh, I'm not going to do my job. I want to solve this mystery you know, kind of that she did, she did go to figure out who killed her predecessor. Yeah. I did and cut it's out like the like whole the, book. I did cut out the 40 pages of answering emails. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but then it, it, that review really kind of, it really is true. It gets to it and you're like, and then everybody's, and then who is it? 19 Adji is like, yeah, everybody knew that I was going to kill him. It's like, what, what? <laughs> oh yeah, of course they did. Wasn't it 30 Larkspur who killed? But he's such a non-character; he barely shows up. Yeah. It's thirty lark lark spear that <laughs> kills him, but nineteen Adji was in it somehow. Was yeah, uh, yeah she like permitted it. Yeah, yeah. it was next. Yeah. Well, they all permitted it. Like everyone in charge was like, "Yeah, that guy needs to die." Except for the emperor, he's like, "Wait." Yeah, <laughs> this incredibly ineffectual. The book keeps being like, "This guy is like super effectual." Like, well, you can't protect like one person. <laughs> Apparently not. Uh, anyway, that's all I. That's all the bad takes. That's all I got. I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> that's all the Dan's bad takes. summary was like 20 minutes. It had 15 voices. Yeah, but they were all like super similar and not at all that's like true. people in the book. <laughs> I was trying to decide if I should like attempt accents. My name is <laughs> and I was like, I don't even know what these accents would be. Yeah. Well, why didn't you put more italics into your into your synopsis? But I used I used a rhyme for italic. That was impressive. <laughs> <laughs> That's worth something. Italic and phallic. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. I thought for like it's forty amazing. seconds about that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, does anyone else have any other bad takes about this book? As in, like, well, I don't know that anyone can have a bad take. I guess that's reviewers. Random reviewers. Oh, let's just move on. My, let's my, just move uh, on. So it's Brock's turn. How shall we discuss the rest of this book? So this isn't necessarily a bad take, but I, I would be reading this, um, and then I would you know set it down <laughs> on the coffee table or something, and my daughters kept asking me, uh, is it an opera? 
Dad, what? How is it? An opera? <laughs> it looks like an opera. No, but the quote on the front from Anne Leckie says it's an all-around brilliant space opera. Uh, yeah. And so I, I had to be like, well, no, I get your confusion because it's a book. It's <laughs> very opera, opera cover too. Yes. Oh, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. yeah, the cover. Uh, so that was my, um, that was one of my uh, discussion topics. And, and Dan, you touched on this uh, with, with there being uh, this culture being space Aztecs and and I wanted to I wanted to get some discussion on if we think it works uh, to depict you know this conqueror culture uh, as uh, as being sort of you know whether descended or inspired or if it just feels like you know the Romans or the English wearing Mayan Halloween costumes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they did sacrifice. They sure mentioned it a lot. That is true. Which I guess is very. Aztec-y. They smile just with their eyes, like yeah. this, as the Aztecs did. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to decide if it meant that they had epicanthal folds. Oh, like they couldn't emote with their eyes, <laughs> <laughs> and so that's how they would smile. They would open oh, them really God. wide. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. So, like space Aztec. Like Japanese people? Yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't read that out of the text personally, but maybe. You're right. You're maybe. Right. That could have <laughs> arisen. You know, you've got thousands of years to to evolve and change. Uh, um, I mean, for me, it was mostly the the X. Yeah. I, you see that misplaced X. Yeah, I, it's, it's so funny. I um, the, the thought of them as space Aztecs. It, it was really like it was just the X to me. This seemed much more like I don't know, Mughal princes, or just I, I was thinking about empires that have that were poetry is really, really important, and like that's that's a thing that exists, right? I mean, I don't think I'd ever seen a space opera or a like fantasy empire get so into the non magic swords. Mm-hmm. as this one does and to, and to think about like other modes of discourse um so i i, I wasn't really reading the space aztecs except for the x i mean the x like gave it well the x and the flowers right it kind of gave, gave it yeah. this weird um i don't i don't know what, what to call it yeah right. it's this yes right yeah, the sun. like but just, I, just a few certain shared symbols in that grammatical I, tick i really think that 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 is a load-bearing X. Like I think that is doing, <laughs> it is doing a lot of work. Uh, yeah, you know, just to t- just to tie you to uh, any um, any name on the uh, uh, in Central America uh, that Taishkalan. Um. <clears throat> so, Cole, one of the things you mentioned that, of course, intrigues me is when you talk about like another discourse. Um. So one of, one of the things that immediately impressed me is that this felt very much like uh, you and I had actually had a conversation about this where you mentioned that we had felt like she had read Anne Leckie's ancillary trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some parallels, like, uh, for instance, the way that Taish Kalan is their word for civilized, which is very right. similar to Leckie's Ratch, uh, Radchai, 
Um, so when you talk about like alternate discourse methods, um, what popped out to you when you were when you were reading it? So I, what I'm what I what pretty struck me about this is Empire in both Lecky's book and this book. And really, I mean, it's, it is the like subject of every space opera ever written as far as I can tell. Um, and usually it's culture is one dimensional. It's just like space fascism. If they get into it. Right. I mean, it's like they took, yeah. they took Nazis, they gave them kind of like world war two looking spaceships. And then they, they more or less have everything expressed along, um, this kind of like militant axis. And what is, what I think is really cool about this book is that it, uh, you get more bureaucracy, which is one reason why I'm interested in the, the Goblin Emperor book. But you also like the naming conventions, the poetry, some of the weird wrinkles of the culture and the things that are kind of misunderstood. Um, it's, it's just sort of sensitive to how, um, how broad these kinds of like cultural structures are, right? Like there, there isn't, it isn't just going to be about uh, military supremacy and the way that Mahit um, wrestles with her. I mean, it reminds me a lot. I don't know how academic we want to get here, but it reminds me a lot of Franz Fanon, right? I mean, it's almost like she read and I, I don't, I don't mean to say this lightly, but she like is either familiar with Franz Fanon or read the spark notes on it and wants Mahit to work through the stages of the native intellectual from the wretched of the earth, mm -hmm. right? Where it's like, you need to like move away from your culture and adopt like the culture of the Imperial people. You have to like, in sort of invent this version of yourself, you have to sort of put these different cultural groups in stasis and the way that Mahit kind of like navigates that. I actually found that was like interesting enough grist that it pulled me through the parts of the book where the plot wasn't really moving forward. Sure. One of the things that stood out to me in that regard was just the depth of the culture where instead of being space fascists, you know, classic example being something like from star Wars where the empire doesn't seem to have, is there a tax base? Do, do they, do, do the people do anything but marches? You know, right. what, what is compelling these people to care about the expansion of an, of an empire? Um, in Anne Leckie's Ancillary Justice, she talks about children and the fondness that people have for children. And the outsiders are surprised to even discover that a, a Radshite would care about their children um, because that's how much, uh, you know, they portray them as an aggressor. And in this one, there's this sense that they have a very deep uh, literary tradition to the point where they're going to recite 17,000 line poems uh, <laughs> for funsies. Um, so I, I, I liked it in the sense, especially in how alluring it was to the protagonist. Um, th this sense that her identity was bound up in something um, that, that had been introduced to her station or culture. And yet it's pretty much what was approved. Um, you know, other people would still reference things that were maybe that were perhaps newer um, or that hadn't been publicly released to people outside of Taish Kalanli space. Um, so no matter how much she was trying to fit in, she was still very much an outsider and marked in that way. Uh, even in benign ways from people who were friends with her or attracted to her. 
and I mean, even like it works on a um, like a spatial level too. When they go out to the burbs, and it has like a very different character, and she understands that like, oh, this is a society like where there are agitators. Yeah. Um, yeah, and even like her, um, the the choice she makes about sort of like selling the old imago uh, is is interesting. I mean, because it like. Uh, I don't know. It, it gave a kind of fuller picture. It, it's strange. I mean, I, I'm, I'm speaking a little scattered here because I think that um, when we were thinking about the bad takes and some of the things that the novel doesn't do right, like I, I, I do agree that the world has like a kind of like weird thinness to it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, 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 it's hard for me to describe it that way because I also feel like it's pretty well structured. But there's a strange, like, yeah, I mean, she is going to stumble into, like, she just happens to be at the morgue at the same time that, like, 19 Edgy is there. And, like, there are all these, they're almost like like 19th century kind of, like, coincidences that are kind of daisy-chaining the whole novel together. (laughs) But I think a lot of the world building and a lot of the, like, structural stuff is pretty sound. Yeah, I agree. And I I think it, it almost... I mean, you can almost say kind of that thinness is uh, imposed on her, where you know her uh, her perspective is very limited. What she's being allowed to experience and see, uh, and it's not until you know things start to to uh, go pear shaped that she, you know, she ends up in a bad you know quote bad neighborhood and ends up with this sort of back alley surgeon and, and begins to see, Oh, there's, you know, there's more going on than the, uh, than what I've been allowed to, to know about Taish Kalan. And, uh, yeah, I think that's, I think that's interesting. So, uh, speaking of which, um, with, with the Imago implants, I wonder if that kind of thing would actually stay secret and clearly, clearly it didn't. Right. Uh, But I do, I do wonder with that type of technology, um, if it offered such a clear, well, maybe, maybe it's not an extreme advantage, but it's certainly an advantage. Uh, And I, I just wonder what your thoughts are if that kind of thing would stay secret, if it would uh, end up being, uh, you know, seized, weaponized. Well, it's pretty tricky to keep it secret when Nick Sanders like, Hey, I'll sleep with you. And then tell if you sleep with me, I'll tell you about my secret thing in my brainstem. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, <laughs> You actually had to hunt pretty hard to find anyone in a position of power who didn't, who know didn't know about it. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Brock, I wonder if, I wonder if, you know, if we're thinking about it in terms of something weaponizable, um, I wonder if we're thinking about it the wrong way. Uh, in this situation, Lachelle Station strikes me as uh, backward, at least from the perspective of the Taish Kalanli. And so to them, would they even care to, under normal circumstances, would they care to look? Um, I mean, if, if they have this adjacent place that they're thinking of annexing, because it is mostly for geography, it sounded like to me, 
um, you know, they had some mining going on, but, but it kind of sat on this inter this junction of gates, um, to the Taish Kalamli, these are primitive people. They might not actually even think they have anything to offer. Sure. Yeah. That's a good point. Right. I mean, it's, it's sort of like in that, I mean, it reminds me of like the British and talking drums, right? We're like <laughs> the, I mean, long before the telegraph talking drums were doing much the same function and the Brits were like kind of aware of them, but also didn't care. Or like, uh, <laughs> you know, somebody with a rifle seeing somebody with an atlatl. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, that is, that's cool, <laughs> but like, we're doing our own thing over here. Well, and also like, I, it, one of the things I, I, I liked about the, the Imagos was that they, they, they had this, they weren't just like, um, like a, a magic trinket or a birthright, but they, they were grounded in this, like, we don't have that many, we don't have enough people to maintain any kind of institutional memory. So, yeah. and be, and also I, I like, I found it pretty smart that like the weird miners, spacers, are they called spacers in this book or my collapsing books? Maybe. I, I don't think they're called spacers. Wow. I don't know. I don't think they're, they're called stationers either. I think I just took that from somewhere else. Okay. Oh, really? No, I think it is. But, 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 but the idea that like this kind of society would need a lot of, um, would sort of develop on a psychological, you know, axis that they would have all of this inv- investing in psychology, in psychiatry, and it would, you know, the the imago is at the top of their civ tech tree. Right. Uh, there was an article a while ago on some of the difficulties with colonizing Mars, for example, and h- how do you enforce um, good behavior, or how do you how do you do police work, or how do you do social work, or education work on a colony, um, especially when one person could theoretically kill thousands by opening a small hole. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the, the degree of direct social control and contact would probably be immense. Um, and by contrast, she's able to go to this dense, you know, big place and basically get lost uh, to the point where even this omnipotent AI can't quite find her because... It's just big and dense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So are we done with this topic? Summer, did you? Do you to <laughs> I'm okay moving on. But... Sure. Yeah, let's move on. Okay. Move on, Brock. Uh, d- does it make sense to use numbers as personal names? Because chapter th- 13 opens with a notice <clears throat> that has times and dates and a bunch of numbers and other contexts. And I just... I just think about the confusion. I'm, cur- I'm yes. curious if there is. It was very confusing and I hated it. Yeah. I felt like I was reading Dostoevsky, but not as good. <laughs> like, they're like Russian names. And then they all have nicknames too. Like, like Rodia. Yeah. And Flower. Reed. Petal. Yeah, Reed. Yeah, Reed. Reed. And <clears throat> I mean, what was. But at least those are names. They're not numbers. <laughs> like at least those I'd... are words. My perspective on your question, Brock, is I don't know if using numbers for names is any more confusing than the idea that they have a glyphic alphabet. Um, do they? Yeah. So it says yeah. that they, they do not have a phonetic alphabet. They mm. they use uh, gra- they basically just use like graphemes. So they've, they say that there are like tens and tens and tens of thousands of glyphs. Um, their language is 
just irreducibly complex. That's I, I actually um, one thing I so I have very mixed feelings about poetry and novels like like this. I think that oftentimes it's garbage. Um, but and crypto bars. Yeah, but <laughs> I I sort of liked it in this book because it was tr- I was just trying to think about like if if this is the character of their language the fact that the poetry seems like a little stilted and like much more on the lyric side than the like epic side um i thought it kind of made sense mm-hmm. um it, like in the sense that it it would be hard to modify words right and you and you wouldn't like yeah it's hard to modify words it's hard to uh, relate action yeah. because you're you know you're, you're just using objects so like what you're going to have is something more like little lyric fragments yeah um which uh may not be, be as fun to read but also like i felt like she she stuck to her conceit for better or worse yeah that's interesting i wonder i wonder if that was deliberate um i don't know I haven't read anything else by Arcadia Martinez. Is this her first this book? This is her first book. One well, for her first book, that's pretty. Do you not find that impressive, Summer, that this was her first book? <laughs> Summer's screaming read, like... into a pillow right now. <laughs> 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 I was reading it and I was going, man, this is a crazy first book. If only for its ambition. Get into it, Summer. I don't. I don't know what to say. Get the gloves off. <laughs> She's not going to listen to this. I. I think. I. Yes, I think it's an impressive and ambitious. But whose first book isn't like an ambitious endeavor? You know, you're never like. If you get a book written and published, you're like, yeah, I didn't really try on it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really have a great idea. I just, you know, <laughs> just pooped it out. Is this supposed to be in a series? I, yes. I think there's another one. It's but, supposed to set up for another one. Which I did not realize until like a week after I had finished it. And I was, I was recommending it to a friend and I was just going to Amazon, Amazon them a copy. Um, and I went on Amazon and it was like, ooh, I can pre-order the next one. That is how deep I got. I mean, I like the book was finished. For a week, I, I, you know, was kind of mulling over it, and then only the only on Amazon did I stumble into the fact that there, there will be a, a second volume. Hmm. I hope it's about the aliens that you know only made it a showing in like two sentences. Yeah, I. So um, one of the like, I, ooh, there's something freaky on the edge. One of the. Um, the things that I, I, I quite dislike about this, and I, I'm, I'm a fan of this book. I like it a lot. I think it's very smart. But the um, epigraphal fragments, the, the, that's not a word, but the like... Oh, yeah, at the beginning At the, the beginnings chapters. of the chapters, I thought were extremely ineffective. Yeah, I didn't like those, and I, I wasn't a fan of the interludes, uh, dropping clues that the characters so much was about the mystery. Mm -hmm. And so to have it answered that so-and-so had run his finger over the Imigo machine, um, you know, just to unsettle those like feather fine hairs. Oh yeah. um, That. And then the, the, the hints about the aliens 
that were totally outside of the character's experience, it meant that when she finally decoded that message with the new, uh, the newer Imigo Iskander's help, Mm -hmm. it totally did not land for me. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like that would have been a crazy impact if the message had been, okay, we have lost a ton of pilots Mm-hmm. Um, and these are elite pilots because of our Imigo machines to this like alien race that's just eating everything. Um, I feel like that would have been an, an incredibly effective shock. Shock, yeah. Yeah, and, and would have driven home this idea that, no, you've got to go tell the Empire. This is something that might destroy the Empire if they don't get it together. <clears throat> and yeah. instead, I was just like, oh, this is finally coming out. Well, so yeah. that's another... That's another one of my complaints. You know, I could never remember who the bad guys or the good guys were back on Lazelle Station. Like every time it came back to that, I was like, wait, so who's this? Oh, is this the bad one? Or is this a good who's sending the message again? I don't I don't know what's going on here. And 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 to be clear, that's that's I did I enjoyed this book broadly as well. For me, this that was kind of just a storing storytelling problem. <laughs> is is that I felt like it, that the, I, the I potential like I was reveal being told too much honestly like in terms of that yeah the interludes were were unnecessary i didn't need to see lacelle up close <laughs> to basically get the gist i mean you tell someone you're living in a closed loop in a space station and i feel like anyone associated with science well, fiction would be like you, oh, just, yeah. you understand the state as soon as you, you you think that like i mean i don't want to arm chair right but like this was a place where uh, Iskander the the younger <laughs> um, could could actually have like a, a an important narrative role to play in f- backfilling some of the like LaSalle politics and could kind of differentiate yeah. his position a little bit. Um, I you know doing this kind of like high wire like fragmented storytelling at the beginning of chapters, I feel like is ne- I've just like never seen it done well. Even really great writers. I mean, like one of my favorite writers, George Eliot has these silly little fragments at the beginning of all of her chapters and they're awful. And in mm-hmm. otherwise like completely spellbinding and brilliant books, you have these like dumb little jokes. Um, <laughs> and it, it, just, it just bums me out. And, and the, the interludes, the interludes are trouble too. I feel like the only writer that I'm like comfortable with, like, yes, please give me the weird interlude chapter is Kim Stanley Robinson. But that's only because his interludes are like so cosmic. Um, sure. That like, I'm like, yeah, I want more of this weird. I can't even parse this strange, like mixtape for the, the generation ship or whatever he does. He does that stuff in all those books. Yeah. So have, did you not like, um, so for instance, Frank Herbert does this at the beginning of his chapters in Dune and ironically, they're like the most quoted sections of Dune. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did you not like that either, Cole? Wow. Okay. So this is incredible. I have not read Dune in probably 15 years. I have no uh-huh. memory of this, but as you're saying this, I'm realizing that like, of course, those are the, the quoted sections. And I, I remember yeah. liking Dune. I have, I, I, I will, I cannot pass any judgment. I, I did not even, I, I assumed that those were pull quotes, but actually as you're saying that, I'm like, no, of course those were little. Well, and it's there to give you the sense that it's a history, right? Um, that it's princess Irulan writing the history later. And, um, for some reason, those are what have sparked. Like, if you see a quote in some meme about Dune, it's from it's probably the... like a seventy percent chance it's from one of those little section header quotes. <laughs> I thought it was weird that there were like two. Uh, it was just so much. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, it was fine. Well, I... yeah. So it was like doing an Empire quote and a Lazelle Station quote. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One I... thing that always bugs me with these quotes, though, is when it lists like some sort of star date. Oh, and it yeah. feels like it's padding the script, like in Star Trek, if they if they've run <laughs> out of time, if they their script was two pages short, so they're like, oh, it's Star Date four point six two one B Alpha Q. <laughs> go on dot, for a while. You know, they just need someone to drone on to get them to a commercial break. Yeah, yeah. my eyes just glaze over when I see those star dates. I hope this isn't necessary because it will not be retained. <laughs> are these consistent between <laughs> between episodes well and it's funny too like how i just uh, i really i mean i'm not going to keep harping on these but they just didn't i it seemed like they only worked for there were a couple that that were good but in almost every instance it was like i want i felt like the actual she had said she has, this novel has such a, a a good um lens to look at these kinds of documents yeah like she could have you know my could have just encountered a lot of these things in the in, in the course of the plot um yeah but they were in this like very it just felt very b-sides um which i guess isn't isn't kind but i don't know it's, 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 I'm, well, it's I guarantee Arcady Martin is not going to listen to this podcast. <laughs> and if you are listening, I did really you, like this book. <laughs> do you hashtag the author when you do it? No. Oh, okay. Do you hashtag the name of the book? No. <laughs> I don't think I've ever tagged. This is on an index. I... Only the four of us will ever listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure to misspell the title so that even in a search. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I guarantee like 400 people will listen to this and that's it. 400 really wow. weird people. I was going to say, is it that many? That's pretty good. Um, yeah. So the book podcast usually about 400 downloads. That's pretty good. Okay. I mean, that's like. Over what, what, over what amount of time? Um, that's like the first month and then it just drops off. Great. Nice. Because everyone's yeah. like old fake news. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. That is, I mean, that is 10 times as high as I was expecting. So. <laughs> no, <it's> good. <laughs> well, to you 400 people. Um, yeah, hi, everyone. Okay, so I, um, I I have a question, if I can impose upon you, Brock. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. This is, uh, this is a very, like, um, I'd call this like a book club-y question, but I guess we're in kind of a book club, so it's allowed. Yeah. Pretty um, much, yeah. But in terms of your own sympathies as readers... Were you, um, what, what was your em- emotive response, your, your emotional response to the emperor's sacrifice and the end of the insurrection? I didn't really care. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that is absolutely what I'm curious about. I really, I really felt like, oh, it's that, I mean, that seems pretty easy. Oh, and it's going to just, it's going to happen and. No, nobody is going to intervene or argue. Oh, nope. She just, she's emperor now. She just, well, I think it's funny. Smooth, smooth transition of power. Yeah. I had this like weird sense of relief when I read it, um, which I immediately felt very guilty for. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Cause don't you want the empire to tear itself up a little bit? Yeah. A little bit. Right. I don't know these people. I want her to get, I want her to get back to her station and let all this rot. 
or I want her and three seagrass to have a lovely life together. Like, yeah. and so like, you know, as a reader, I was like kind of in the, between those two things, but then there's this weird thing that happened where I found my sympathies like lining up with the fate of the emperor and his, his so, weird So you kid. had been seduced. I'd been seduced a little bit and I was surprised at my seduction. Uh, I was a little relieved too, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> and I'm not sure why. I think it's because I, I liked... I, go I ahead, kept, Dan. I kept thinking... Sorry about that. I, I kept thinking One Lightning, maybe this is because of the political moment we're actually in. I thought One Lightning was just going to bombard the palace. It seemed like he was just going to win, right? Yeah. 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 I just wasn't invested, I guess. So he killed himself and I was like, huh. huh. Okay. <laughs> well, he was old. <laughs> That's cool. I'm glad the lady in white gets to rule now. She seems competent right i guess i wasn't emotionally responsive at all and only like partially evil so she should do fine <laughs> yeah she should be fine oh, yeah. she's what what empire what emperor is not so. yeah i mean partial seems that seems best case scenario yeah cole what, what i'm is, saying what is it that seduced you I um Yuxander was like, I'll sleep with you. Yeah, I was Ooh. and if you... <laughs> yeah, and he told me all about Zimago machine. If you sleep with me, I'll tell you um, a secret. Iskander had coal around his little finger. <laughs> well, I I think I um part of it was the weird little patrician second class diplomatic corps. I think I was yeah. I, I felt loyalty to their little crew. And yeah, I definitely didn't want that. thirty Larkspur to win. He's a jerk. oh yeah, thirty Larkspur was a butt. I can't remember which gender he or she might be, but they were awful. Uh, didn't yeah. want that. And was thirty Larkspur the one that like accosted Mahit in the hall? Yeah, and, and like is is okay. the captain of yeah. police yeah. or something? Yeah, I didn't I didn't like him. Um, for her, it, yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, I, I, I can't remember. Yeah, I don't remember at all. I think it was a dude. I, I, I feel I feel like it was it too, but I just I like I I think I so I had some of that loyalty is coming from the person, but also some of it was like I um I got really screwed up by this book in grad school called Cosmopolitanism, which I don't know if you've read it. It was like one of those books that I feel like a lot of people nope. in the humanities were reading uh, by. Um, Quay Apahai or something. I can't remember how to pronounce his last name. Anyway, it's a great book. But it also um, is a little facile in some of its argumentation. And it it is the most like happy book about empire you will ever read. <laughs> but 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 part of it is like about um just uh, cultural conversation. And so part of me was thinking like no, like Iskander likes this culture and he's trading some of their culture and they're getting some culture back. And like, maybe this book's going to take a weird cosmopolitan swerve and the empire is going to weirdly enable it. Uh-huh. Um, and so I want to see a peaceful transition to power in that situation. Um, so I think that, that may be partly to blame. And the other thing might be that I'm just becoming a very tepid centrist. <laughs> so so were you thinking that perhaps the stationers would play hobbit to uh the empire's Gondor? yes i think that like I, that that is a very uh sharp way of putting it dan it's like th- there's there was an expectation that 
this person of little import from a tiny little station in the middle of nowhere is going to deliver like the key technology yeah. and that's going to save everything. And I think uh, one of this novel's great, great, great tricks is getting you wrapped up in the murder mystery and then getting you to do the, get the same tunnel vision that Mahit has where she assumes that the solution to her murder mystery is also going to fix like a power dynamic in the Imperial core, which yeah. is just bananas. Like these things are of completely different scales. Um, and in fact, like she isn't the ring bearer <laughs> and, and, and that the solution to the, this, um, like there is a, thoroughly Teich, these are Teichklan solutions to Teichklan problems. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a really good way of putting it. That ultimately, the, the solving the murder is immaterial. And like, you know, and I think we said earlier, like, yeah, most, most everybody knew who had done it and why and we're just sort of watching Mahit, uh, Flail at the answer. Now, when the when the emperor uh, sacrificed himself, did he mention the alien threat at all? I don't. I am think trying so. to remember because I'm I'm wondering how much of an impact she even had on uh, on the procession of power mm-hmm. in this empire. Um, I f- I feel like she the, she had one, mentioned it. I'm not sure how, or, one, or maybe she um, mentioned it to 19. That's the MacGuffin she had, right? Was the coordinates. Yeah. Because she does mention it um, to them, but I don't I don't remember if that actually affects the passage of power. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's enough that, that um, uh, 19, I, I can never remember her... Uh, Adzi, yeah, Adzi, Adzi, um, that that she feels in her debt, so it's it's something, right? But it it also doesn't, um, I don't know, it, 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 the, the whole world doesn't re- suddenly re- revolve around them in their little station. Um, yeah, I mean, it's enough to secure her independence mm-hmm. if the right people win. <clears throat> so i i found the uh, I found the emperor just before he sacrifices himself and he does talk about uh the danger out by lethal station so he does mention the aliens Hmm. okay so kind of my last uh discussion topic um i almost hesitate because it might be a little bit of a downer uh oh no yeah i mean is so is there what is this book saying about uh about revolution is is the only hope either to give in or to just or for a bigger empire to come and conquer the current one is it hopeless oh man that is a downer (laughs) big downer let's 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 be hopeful maybe i personally brock i don't know um i I think maybe in this book, it seemed like it needed at least that threat to kick it into gear. Um, I tend to be of the opinion that revolution is always a tragedy. Um, That doesn't necessarily comment on its necessity. 
mm-hmm. um, but that revolution always sparks a lot of fervor and then it eats its babies. Um, that revolution isn't as fun as anyone thinks. Yeah, this is yeah. my my favorite. Um, I will, a quick footnote for interested parties: everyone should go read a piece that my dear mentor Rebecca Spang wrote about the French Revolution and COVID in the Atlantic in, in April. That uh, will seem terrifyingly prescient, um, and right it's a wonderful piece. I can't remember what, the, what it's called, but if you just search French Revolution in the Atlantic, you'll find it. Um, the, the revolution and, is underway already. Yeah, she uh, she has a, there's a bunch of very good things that um, she she reminds us of, including uh, that people are very rarely aware that they're living in revolutionary times. Um, you like it's a thing that you don't like it, it isn't signposted that's part of the point um but one other thing that i that i remember from from um taking your seminars that she would mention occasionally is that like the guillotine was not the weapon of revolutionaries it was the weapon of the state um yeah and like it's a very easy thing to forget and so when you see these protesters marching with guillotines it's a it's an insane bit of anachronism um because, like, you know, eventually when the revolutionaries had power, they started using them on, on themselves. Uh, but it, it was never something that, like, the people assembled in the street. It was a, it was a weapon of the state. Um, yeah. yeah, I, um, it's, this book does, I mean, so what, what peaceful revolution seems to have happened? Well, like, on the one hand, the political status of LaSalle Station is secured. But secured in like the flimsiest way imaginable, right? It's secure, like they have no leverage. And Iskander w- was operating in a way to gain leverage. I mean, he was he was trying to make a kind of trade, but it was a trade where like the secrets of the Imago machine would like be the uh, the kind of bedrock of the state's of the state security. And now the, the, the state gets to exist uh, as a favor, <laughs> right? Or, or because yeah. it's, it, it, there's a funny moment at the very end of the book where, um, where Mahit asks for it and um, she has a funny response that is probably worth dwelling on I'll find it here because I know I'm not um, far away. I was thinking about that lack of leverage too while you look, Cole, uh, just in the sense that, so once 19 Achi is gone, what what's to prevent this very simple annexation? Oh, I, I, I have it here, right? So this is, I'll just, I'll fill in this quote and interrupt you. Um, so 19 Achi laughs Dappled um, droplets, rumpled buttocks. Uh, no, no stars. I hardly have time. Hardly have time for anything. You're safe, Mahit. You and Lestal Station can be as much of an independent republic as you'd like. Okay, so this is like of no, <laughs> of absolutely no comfort to anyone. Um, yeah. I do not think this book presents any kind of like path for stability or resistance, except for a personal re- resistance that involves things like foregoing your diplomatic post and leaving. Yeah. Yeah. When, when that's the, when that's the strength of the agreement, they really just come across as a very low rent client. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, if their if their property can be seized, it seems like with no effort whatsoever, 
Um, I, yeah, that, the ending was a little unsatisfying to me in that regard. Um, on the personal note, I, I thought it was satisfying that her, you know, her own seduction with Taishkalanli culture that she was now deciding, well, I'm going to go home and I, I'm going to give my own culture a chance to seduce me. I liked that notion. Um, but the politicking uh, at the end did fall short for me. Yeah, you just want, I, I, it's um, one of the things that uh, I, I, I've been looking for in novels lately is, especially novels like this, is their kind of like revolutionary imagination. Like, can they imagine a world that is potentially different from our own? And is there a way they see of getting there that can be like talked about, debated? And yeah. moved, and I think uh, at least in the first volume. I mean, who knows what the second volume will bring? But with the first volume of this, it is I think quite smart, but also like in a descriptive mode rather than a proscriptive mode, right? It's like it, it's mm. just it's describing the operation of these like big cultural gears, but not necessarily um, how you might turn them in a particular way. And and in that way, mm. like. And I'm gonna I'm gonna bang the drum once more. But like one thing I really admire about, um, I mean, Anne Leckie's stuff is is fabulous. But like I feel like she is Anne Leckie, or you like you read Ursula Gwynn or Kim Stanley Robinson, and like all of them are in like more of a revolutionary prescriptive mode about like trying to get ways of thinking outside of these problems. Yeah, and and that that is no shade on. Um, martin's novel at all like you know there's room for both right well did anyone have anything else they wanted to discuss before we wrap up not i no no, no one even noticed but but uh summer actually went and take took care of the baby for <laughs> <ten minutes. laughs> I, did, I did hear uh the, the beeping of a microwave <laughs> <laughs> yep that was uh that was the other daughter. Yeah, that was the other baby. <laughs> she needed a rice bag. Well. Oh, hey, thanks for joining us for this discussion of a memory called Empire by R.K.D. Martin. Uh, whose turn is it to choose the next book? I think it's, I think me. it's Brock's. Yeah. <gasps> what book will we be reading oh, next? Yeah. So this is a, I mean... I don't know that we consider it a cheat, but I, I read this recently uh, and it is a book called The Seven and a Half Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle by Stuart Ooh. Turton. Okay. Okay. It sounds intriguing. I am glad that you're intrigued. Well, thank you so much for joining us this time. Cole. Oh, it was my yes, pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. It's a great discussion. And I'm pressing a button. Double droplets, rumpled buttocks. Double droplets, rumpled buttocks. Thank you for joining us in the Space Biff book space. Our theme music is Day Trips by Ketza. Join us next month for another discussion. And in the meantime, you can email us at spacebiffbookspace at gmail.com.
Dappled droplets, rumpled buttocks. 